0: The oven on, and now it's caused a fire.
1: Oh no! I hear an alarm! Sergeant, be safe. Can you help me? Sergeant, be safe to the rescue. i can i'm here to keep you safe i know it's the holidays and we all get excited but you gotta keep an eye when you're cooking in the kitchen this grease fire you want to smother the flame A fire extinguisher works best never leave food unattended while you're cooking even if it is for a second
0: thank you for your help without you the fire would have caused this holiday to be disastrous
1: you're welcome hey guys one adventure down now i'm back at the office Let's see if I can give you guys some more tips for the holiday. We already talked about websites that are scams, emails, letters, and social media. Be careful where you put your information because once it's there, it's there. Don't give an opportunity for Chance Wilder to scam you out of your currency and digital currency. It only takes a second for him to ruin your life. Lock your doors, lock your doors, lock your doors. Do not leave your car key in your car or anyone else's vehicle either. Keep it in a safe place away from the vehicle. And that's your tip of the day to have a safe holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. son, a father, a brother, a law officer, an accomplished officer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you guys for tuning in. I want to welcome you to Black and Blue, a continuation of the lab. Some of you already know that we have transitioned from the lab where we interviewed people with businesses, products, and positive messages over to Black and Blue, where we now interview police officers, law enforcement officials, anyone in law enforcement arena, whether they're rookie, seasoned, or retired, uh, based on their experiences, their level of trainings, and what they have to offer. It's a lot of fun. We learn a lot on this program. So make sure you guys get your questions ready. This is live and interactive. And make sure if you want that shout out, um, put your name and where you're from in the comment section. I'll give you that shout out. I can only tell who's on here from uh, the comments that are on here because we are streaming on five different platforms. One, two. Two platforms on Facebook, two platforms on YouTube, and one definitely on LinkedIn. And those, we we get a lot of action in, on those um, a lot of action on those platforms as well. In the comment section, you will see our sponsors. For one, we got a special guest in the background, Scott Savage. His website is in the comment section. Make sure you guys check his website out. And I'm pretty sure you'll want to check his website out after this interview. A lot of amazing information going to be shared here. Also, one of our sponsors, MG4Tech, is in the comment section. Make sure you guys check that out after the live as well. If you guys have any kind of websites, any kind of digital advertising, any kind of whatever you may be doing on, on um, for networking or whatever you may be doing as far as online, MG4Tech can take, take care of that for you. Make sure you guys check him out. He does good service. And last but definitely not least, One Way Publishing and WorkWithCle.com, one of our sponsors as well. You ever thought their their motto is they can take a mere thought and turn it into a book that's bought? There's a few of them behind me. There's a few um, clients that I've been very satisfied as well coming through there. So check that website out. Certain uh, Be Safe is going to say it best. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sergeant Be Safe. One Way Publishing is the sponsor for the podcast, Black and Blue. And these books behind me are a few of the books that are on their website. Check out the latest one, The Lab Part 2. It just came out. It's a compilation of former guests that were on the show. But make sure you tune into the podcast. That way you can see cartoons of me giving out safety tips on how you can be safe. See for yourself. Go to the website, workwithclee.com. Subscribe now. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm excited to have a special guest in the background. Make sure you guys hit that like button on the way in. Make sure you guys hit the, those comments coming in as well, because we're going to have fun. The motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker. And I got a special guest background named Scott Savage. He's on the West Coast. For those of you who are here in, in Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania that are watching the show, he's got over 20 years of experience in law enforcement. And he started his own training company as well, the uh, Savage Training Group. And like I said, the website's in the comments section. It's going to be listed in the banner below as well. We're going to learn a lot of why he started the company, what the uh, training sessions entail, and a little bit about his background. But first and foremost, I'm going to bring him to the stage. Scott, are you here?
0: I'm here. You here me?
1: Oh, perfect. Perfect. Scott, hey, thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming to Black and Blue on the platform on the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Cleve, thanks for having me. I really Absolutely. appreciate the invite. Um, I love all the stuff that you're doing. You're a busy man uh, like me. So I'm um, a working police officer. I work in um, California, right? So in the San Francisco Bay Area, I've been a cop for uh, coming up on 24 years. Before that, I was a uh, paramedic. Uh, before okay. that, I was an EMT. So really since age 19, um, I've been in public safety. And so that that's all I, I really know. That's been my life's work. And then mm-hmm. in 2019, I launched my own training company called the Savage Training Group, and it's like having two full-time jobs now. But um, <laughs> I've got about ten instructors working for me. We uh, do advanced law enforcement training classes, and we're just trying to raise the bar of law enforcement training. I think you might agree that a lot of uh, training that cops get is a death by PowerPoint. It's <laughs> it's not realistic. It's check the box, and so we're trying to do something about
1: that. Right. Absolutely, man. I'm glad you started the page. I, I got a chance to check out your website, and here, here's a little. It's no volume to this, but for those of you who are definitely going to check the website out afterward, um, here, here, can I, there we go. Yes, and I saw your uh, Instagram page, too. I kind of tagged you in with a quote that you say cops deserve the best training. And then going through your website as well, uh, you see a lot of the courses that are offered and things along those lines. And we're going to jump into that. Um, Can you talk about, tell us about your current position and your responsibilities as of right now?
0: Yeah, my current position at the police department, I work in our professional standards unit, which uh, encompasses our training unit and our recruiting and hiring unit. So... Uh, my full time job, you know, in, in police work, it's kind of nice because you can work a variety of different units. Most people think, hey, the cops are either, you know, pushing a patrol car uh, around or you're maybe a detective, something they see, or CSI, maybe that's something other people yeah. know. But man, there's a variety of units you can work. And I, I've been really blessed in my career to work um, all kinds of different assignments from patrol to street crimes to um, uh, SWAT, uh, hostage negotiations. Um, I was on a, a terrorism task force for a while. Okay. And, uh, and now I'm working in, in the professional standards unit where mm-hmm. we try to recruit and hire um, people to be police officers. And in 20, coming into 2023, I think you know how challenging that is. So I'm, I'm happy to talk about what we're seeing and what's working and what's not. And, um, but it's, it's been a great career. And, and uh, you know, I've been doing training for just so long as a police officer. So it, uh, it only made sense to kind of start my own thing on the side doing um, you know police training because that's, that's really where my passion lies mm-hmm. and I think you know I watch the same videos that I'm sure you watch that your mm-hmm. your listeners your viewers watch and we kind of scratch our head oh man why you know why would someone do that right and I think um, you know it's not all training right some of it's just people's ethics and morals and stress and all that stuff but a lot of it has to do with training and I think we can train officers to perform at a high level you know, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be hard to do. It's going to be challenging, but I just think, you know, if the average person saw the way police officers are trained, I don't think they'd be impressed. You Mm -hmm. know, I think that there's a lot to be um, a lot that we need to evolve, especially coming into 2023. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's amazing uh, to be a police officer. It's a fantastic career. Mm -hmm. It's very, very challenging. um, But I've had just a really blessed career and, and, you know, I still recommend it to people, believe it or not, being a cop in California in 2022. And I still recommend people become a cop. So
1: <laughs> I can understand. Absolutely. And um, it's interesting. You said you've been in the, the field of service since you were 19 years old as an EMT, correct? Yep. Well, who are some of your mentors and influencers? What got you to actually what, when did you have your wake up call that this profession is your calling and something that you knew that you were going to do for the majority of your adult life?
0: Yeah, it's a, really a couple of different things. I would say, A, um, I, you know, when I grew up, I didn't have pictures on my wall, like posters and stuff of sports mm-hmm. figures. Um, I really, I can remember being like a little guy and remember seeing like ambulances and fire trucks mm. and cop cars go by and just thinking, wow, you know, just like, wow, those guys are like very important. That's what I remember thinking. They must be very important. They, they look like they're going somewhere important. They're doing important things. and. know i grew up lower middle class we didn't have a lot of money there's no we didn't go on vacations we didn't do a whole lot so i was always looking for something that was exciting what's you know what's important what's exciting and and i was really drawn to that and um coming into high school uh, i'm a musician too i I played drums been playing drums since i was in eighth grade and in high school man i wanted to be in a rock band that's all i wanted to do i didn't care about high school i didn't care about anything i just wanted to be in a rock band like a lot of young guys do right Mm -hmm. want to play music and uh, you know, as that as I maybe grew up a little bit more and and started getting into my early twenties um and started caring less about music and really wanting to do something, man, I really want to do something a little bit more what I thought was important, um, doing something for other people that it was very noble and and I was really drawn to I remember a show when I was growing up called um Rescue Nine One One. Uh-huh. And uh, it was just like a recreations about these crazy medical calls, and, but they would feature the paramedics. And I just remember them like they get the call and then they like jump in the ambulance and they'd be like, you know, it just looks so, wow, man, it's so important. These people are really counting on, <clears throat> on you. And it was just so attractive and it's so cheesy to say like, oh, I just want to help people. Right. That's what most people say. But man, I really felt that, you know, and, and uh, so I um, put myself through EMT school and yeah. uh, got a job on like a an ambulance where you do the transfers from one hospital to another wasn't doing the 91 stuff right And got a little experience doing that and then I sold my drum set to finance going to paramedic school yeah. And, and yeah and, and and went to paramedic school and um, and the, and really started that career and that was just so eye-opening I mean you're literally making life and death decisions and in the area where I was working in San Jose California, really busy EMS system, you know, you're dealing with high acuity medical calls, you're dealing with um, a lot of trauma and stuff like that. And it was, uh, it was just a blast, you know, and then slowly about that time, uh, some of the fire departments out here started providing paramedic service. So the guys that were working on the ambulance kind of had to take a second, second seat and kind of wait for the firemen to do their thing. Right. I didn't sit too well with like, you know, 25-year-old <laughs> Scott. He wanted to be the man, right? So yeah. <laughs> I started thinking, what's a career field that is similar, that mm-hmm. is noble? It is um, a true profession. It's mm-hmm. physically challenging, mentally challenging, something I can be proud of. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. And it was like police work. You know, police work was the a, a very natural thing. And, and uh, when I became a cop, actually being a paramedic before, Uh, gave me a lot of people skills and gave me a lot of like i was used to being calm in the -hmm. middle of stress you know and so there was a lot of advantages uh the only key difference was that as a paramedic when people when you show up on their door they're like oh my i'm so glad you're here yeah and they (laughs) they wave to you with all fingers and you know all their five fingers and and as a cop it was a little different obviously the greeting we get at the door and people don't always uh wave at us with all their five fingers but you usually one.
1: (laughs) yeah
0: yeah it really is so um but that's that's how i got into it and then and you know uh, i'm almost 50 and you know we're coming into 2023 here i am
1: good 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 got the calling and answer had had a journey to to actually get to the position that you're in right now gotta um i see shayla's on here thank you for tuning in please tag like and share i'm sure continuous relevant training is such an important part of being a police officer this is great absolutely yes uh, continuous training is important because what you don't use you lose absolutely
0: that's right and and she may be um surprised to know that depending on what state you're in the standard the mm-hmm. the training standards just totally vary by state to state yes there are some states that require that you can actually become a police officer be uniform be out there on patrol before you ever went to the academy mm-hmm. there are some states that don't have uh you know once you go to your defensive tactics or hand-to-hand sort of training in the Academy, there is no requirement for you to ever be trained in that again, which is that's incredible. Right. Yeah. Um, then there's other States that have a higher standard. And so, you know, when people talk about police training, I almost feel like saying, what do you mean by that? Like what is true in one state is different than another state and, and varies by department. And you know, there's something like 18,000 departments. It just totally varies. Mm-hmm. Um, so when a police officer shows up at your door, a lot depends, you know, on that person's personality, their training, their experience. Um, so, you know, if there's ever calls for standardization, like, hey, there needs to be sort of a national standard. I don't really disagree with that. Yeah. I don't personally think we need 18,000 individual police departments with 18,000 chiefs, 18,000 training units, 18,000 SWAT trucks, 18,000, you know, there. we kind of just need to figure out what the right way to do things is, the standard, and then maybe consolidate a lot of this and Mm -hmm. if we reduce the number of departments we would suddenly have um, a lot more money (laughs) we wouldn't need so many chiefs and so many uh, you know HR departments and so many SWAT teams we could consolidate all that we'd have the money for training but um, as it stands right now with a lot of agencies being defunded either formally or informally the first line
1: item to go is training you know yeah Yeah, absolutely. I know. Um, part of, I know, like you were saying, that um, you were the were you the training it, the, uh, the the training instructor for your department, and that that's what get, that led you into actually uh, starting this company, um, um, Scott Training Group. Um, and how important is I know we having you know, unified training across the nation would be highly important. I know from state to state, it varies. Um, you would like to think one level of training is as good as the next. You'd like to believe that no matter where you go, you're getting the same uh, service from that individual uh, or from that police department. And some, some areas you may, some areas you may not, not to call anyone out or anything like that, but have a a unified training. Is that your goal with with your company or what's your ultimate objective?
0: Yeah, no, it's not my goal because I don't think I have that kind of juice. I don't think I can affect, you know, that kind of change. And, and I, i don't have any like um misconceptions that oh i'm gonna i'm gonna change law enforcement I, you know everything's gonna be great if you know after me you know i gave up on those kinds of you know crazy dreams a long time ago and and really i try to just what's my sphere of influence what can i control right um sometimes we get frustrated even as officers in our own agencies and we're like man it shouldn't be this way the chief should do this the policy should be that and it's mm-hmm. like well you can't control a lot of that. So control what you can control. So with me, I um, had been training for a long time, both inside our departments and outside teaching at the academy. I was a field training officer. I was, you know, a a FTO I had taught for another company and done the sort of the private training stuff and just been doing it for years and years. And I said, you know, why don't I start my own thing where I can do things the way I think they should be done Right. And if it fails and it's horrible, you blame me, you know. Right. And if it's great and it works, then then I'll I'll be you know responsible for that. And so, um, I just want to do. I, I just want to raise the bar, you know. I just <laughs> again law enforcement training. Oof, there's a lot of areas for improvement, and uh, I want to be part of the solution. I want to be part of um, you know moving things in the right direction, and so that maybe just maybe the students that come to our classes at the Savage Training Group, um, perhaps they're going to be able to perform better, right? Because right. it's not about going to a class and you watched a great class and it was a fun instructor and maybe you saw some videos. That's all great. How does it help you perform in the field? Like yeah. how, how are you using that information and, and skills and are you able to retrieve that information from your long-term memory when it counts most, you know, when it, when, um, uh, the critical incident happens when it's foot pursuit, vehicle pursuit, or whatever the, the critical thing is, right? Um, so that, that's kind of the goal. Control what I can control, do the best job I can, just make the best classes, hire the best instructors, and um, for the folks that would like to join us at these classes, just make it the best.
1: Gotcha. So striving to be the best, what kind of courses do you offer?
0: Uh, first thing we do when design a course is figure out what problem are we solving? Um, So if somebody comes to me, uh, an instructor, and they say, well, we want to design a course about uh, underwater knife fighting, I would say, well, hmm, that sounds like a cool class, but uh, is that a problem that we're trying to solve? You know, is there a lot of underwater knife fights that we need to be training cops in? Probably not, right? Probably not a lot of agencies are going to send their folks to that. (laughs) So let's start with the problem. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think that that serves you well in any business you're in. Start with the problem. What problem do you solve? and uh it's not about making a neat class or a fun you know cool class it's really what problem are we solving okay How, do we have the the authority do we have the uh, competency to solve that problem okay mm-hmm. what do we hope that the students walk away with what's the learning objective and let's backwards design the class so a um, good example would be our field training officer courses um we've developed a really good reputation. People just love going to our FTO classes when they learn to be a field training officer. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we do is go, what are the skills that these folks need when they walk out of here to go tra- teach, uh, you know, and, and mentor recruits. Mm-hmm. And we really boiled down that to, um, they need to teach, evaluate and document. You know, they yeah. need to teach recruits when a new person comes in their car, they need to evaluate what they've taught them and did it work and then document their findings. and. And if we can get FTOs to be able to do those three things uh, within, you know, the standard evaluation guidelines, within all the rules, we have really succeeded there. And so, um, we've noticed, Hey, a lot of other FTO courses, were teaching, um, FTOs that you're going to be liable. You're going to get in trouble. If your recruit does this, you're going to get in trouble if your trainee does that. And so one of the things we did is we really researched and we do just a ton of research and we're like, let's go see if we can find all these court cases of FTOs, quote, getting in trouble. And mm-hmm. we found zero. Oh, you know, an wow. FTO was responsible for a trainee's um, behavior and was then sued or criminally charged or something like that. It, it was really a lot of myth and folklore. And mm-hmm. uh, I think with a lot of our training classes, that's maybe some things that people like about it is that we research the heck out of it. Let's make it very accurate. Let's make it very modern. Um, we don't use a lot of PowerPoint. We, we're not just killing people with PowerPoint. We try to really teach. And so the the folks that I hire to be instructors for us are experts in whatever field they're teaching, but they're also expert instructors. And we spend just as the same amount of time honing our craft about being teachers, right. you know, honing our presentation skills, our classroom management skills, our, you know, discussing long-term memory and how do we embed information into it and we, we focus on all that stuff as well as the subject. So mm-hmm. um, I think I think that that's why we've been successful, right? Folks come to the class and they go, gee, that was really different than what I normally go
1: to. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I saw on the website as well, uh, you, don't, you don't kill your students with death by PowerPoint. <laughs> uh, and one, one of your previous interviews, you saw uh, one of the instructors came in. Uh, they had a PowerPoint. And I guess in the corner of the PowerPoint, they had, yes, this is slide one of 500 25 or whatever and the students saw it and they knew exactly they were going to be there all day just reading information off the board and that does that immediately your mind goes blank from right then
0: yeah i I remember sitting in that class it wasn't one of our you know courses of course it was a training that um the department i was working for put on and and there was a contractor who came in to to teach us something and i remember looking at that on the, the little page number one of 500 or whatever it was and i'm like you have to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to get through that many slides, we, better, we would have to be here for three months. And he's like, Mm-mm, I'm gonna do it in like three hours. Wow. And you know what the problem with that is, is that the instructor then goes, hey, I'm a slave to this PowerPoint. Like, we're gonna get through this PowerPoint, whether you want it or not. And who cares if the students are tuned out? I gotta click through my PowerPoint.
1: Just keep going. Yeah,
0: that, that's really what's wrong with a lot of this training that we go to. It's just like, this the instructor's making it about you. What's easiest for you? What about the student? You know, what about the student what if i'm not tracking or what about if the energy of the class needs to go in a different direction mm-hmm. you know a lot of times our instructors will just have a list of the things they're going to get to and they'll say listen by the end we're going to get to all this stuff what order we do it in really depends on what you need and because how can i tell you what i'm going to teach you right now in what order i don't even know what you know and out of respect of you as a student i need to know first of all what do you know what, what is your what perspective do you come from what questions do you have now i can sort of tailor what i'm going to say to you and that's why people go i felt really engaged what they mean by that is respected you know these are adults like let's respect each other and let's have a little bit of a conversation a facilitated discussion not just yeah. you sit there clean and you watch my powerpoint you know and then at the end here's your little certificate that's not training that's just talking
1: exactly yep ladies and gentlemen and uh paul we're gonna pause for the cause because we got to give a shout out to sergeant be safe i hope you enjoyed this stay tuned hello this is sergeant be safe and i want to welcome all you viewers and our very special guest to black and blue So get your questions ready and enjoy the show. Welcome back to black and blue. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves. We're right in the middle of the interview. We got Scott Savage backstage. We're going to bring him back here to the forefront. We're learning a lot about training about things on his company's uh, the Scott the Savage training group. Um, and It's a wonderful conversation. I'm looking forward to learning a lot. I'm looking forward to engaging with him. Scott's still here. Oh, nope. I think uh, let me add him. There we go. There we go. I hit the wrong button. Now we're back. Tell us a little bit more about your company. How? What have you seen in the course uh, with the individual students who may come through your training and the lack thereof uh, of very training? Not to the, the call pull shots on anyone, but the, the the what are some of the consistencies that you see uh, in the, the lack of training at least uh, uh, nationwide?
0: Wow, there's so much. So, I mean, I think a lot of the students that come to our class, they. Are you know they just have such a low bar because they've been to other training courses and they've been to their maybe trainings in their department, it's just that death by PowerPoint stuff and it's not realistic or it's outdated, or maybe they went to a class and the instructor was teaching and and the guy hasn't been a cop in 20 years, but he's and he just yeah. doesn't get it, right? Because yeah. you know, you're a working cop, I'm a working cop. Being a cop in 2022 is very challenging and very, very different. So you need a credible instructor. Um, You know, another thing I've noticed is that um, a lot of folks that come to us, they love the fact that what we're teaching is relevant and timely and intentional and uh, practical. It's not, you know, we have some theoretical maybe discussions, but then we get really down in the weeds. We're like, here specifically is the law that says this you know, because the things are so well-researched that a lot of our folks can quote the law or quote the, this case, or, you know, we've got just these really accomplished instructors. And so I think people kind of walk away going, ooh, that was like, that meant something. And this term training just gets thrown around so much. Um, I, I don't know if you followed the uh, Derek Chauvin trial when, when he was, uh, you know, being tried one thing i thought was really interesting is that at some point they brought the minneapolis uh like training cadre up so you know training sergeant or somebody up there and the the uh, prosecution is grilling them and asking how many hours of training did derek chauvin get in de-escalation and you know the instructor said oh eight or whatever it was well how many hours did he get in crisis intervention and on and on and on and the the witness, the training sergeant of uh, four or uh, three, you know, he'd answer whatever the thing was. Then they bring up a training roster and they're like, isn't it true? This is Derek Chauvin's name on this, you know, training roster where he signed in for some crisis intervention class or something. Right. And they, the guy goes, yep, that's it. And you could tell the attorney was like, aha, you know, we pro- we've proven. And I was thinking proven what? Yeah. You, you keep asking how many hours, how many hours, how many hours, as if to say, he was trained and i'm sitting there going you know what the better question is did he learn anything did you ever consider it has anyone ever measured did this dude learn anything like did he just sit in a class and his name's on the roster do you mean oh you mean he attended training oh oh, okay you mean he was present like you were technically alive in a room and you wrote (laughs) your name on a piece of paper so you're Uh trained and i was sitting there going what a low bar no one ever asked, did he learn anything? Hey, um, how did you measure learning occurred in those classes? And the, they would have went, what? Yeah, just just. how did you measure learning occurred? The point of training is to give knowledge and skills, right? Learning, education. How did you Absolutely. measure that? Was there a test? Can I see it? Was there an, a practical exercise? Was it realistic then? And, and how, by the way, was this all classroom training where the guy sat in a classroom? Okay. How does that compare to the tense, rapidly evolving, uh, uncertain circumstances of working in the street? You know, and, and I've said that before on another episode or another podcast, I mean, or something on our social media. And I think someone, they got upset with me. and They're like, you don't need training to know to keep your you know, neck or your knee off someone's neck. It's like, yeah, I agree with that. That's not what I'm saying. What you do need training in is operating in high stress environments. You know i watched the derek chauvin tape and i went that guy is suffering from contempt of cop you know people are yelling at him just take your knee Just, you know the guy's dying and he's like i'm not letting people tell me what to do and you could tell he was obviously stressed people are screaming at him this is a high stress thing when's the last time he was in a training environment that mimicked that kind of stress right there's a thing now called like duty to intervene where If Klee and I are on a call and I start, you know, going sideways on some guy, Klee is legally obligated to grab me and intervene. Makes sense. Now, how are cops trained to quote intervene? Oh, back to the PowerPoint. We sit and watch a PowerPoint and they go, Clee, you have to legally, law in one, two, three, four says you've got to do it. And sign here saying that you understand that. And then you go, Yeah, it makes sense. Intuitively, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But do we really rehearse that? Specifically, what are you going to say? Like at my Mm -hmm. department, we train officers. Hey, you're going to say break contact. Mm -hmm. If you see an officer going down the wrong thing, I want you to walk up to them and say break contact. Now we gave them break contact because we know, guess who else says break contact? The Navy Seals, right? You see those videos like break contact and they turn and run. And we're like, you know what? Cops will think that's cool. Cops will think that's tactical. Let's Mm -hmm. appeal to them. Let's give them a phrase, a thing that they can say, and now We'll rehearse it under stressful circumstances. So we do mm-hmm. practical exercises, not just cheesy exercises like oh Klee, you gotta you know intervene. No, no, practical, high fidelity, high stress. Mm-hmm. Let's recreate stress. Let's let's do so and then let's measure it. Let's test these people and actually see can they perform it? But so much of what right. is training just gets man watered down. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, I think people uh, cops want good training. I think they deserve good training, but you know what? who else deserves cops to be trained? The people that those cops serve, right? Like mm-hmm. If I call 911 in my town, you call 911 in your town at your house. I want the people who show up on my door to be like super high trained, right? Mm-hmm. Able to handle whatever, you know, emergency I'm about to dump on them. The mm-hmm. public deserves to have cops that are good, well-trained. And so many people are just like they went to training it's like yeah but you don't understand it was nonsense it was garbage training you know it it didn't it didn't do anything you know it was more like compliance it was more like check the box check the box so uh, i think those are some of the differences that we're seeing those are the trends right that are out there And, and those are some of the differences that i'm seeing and i think i'd like to think we're contributing to the kind of making things better
1: Making things better. I like that. Yes. I like how you brought up the fact that uh, your instructors are knowledgeable. Um, they're, they're not someone who's been retired for uh, 10, 15, maybe 20 years and haven't gone through uh, the cyclic, cyclical change that uh, happens uh, in this profession a lot. I remember when I, uh, if you, uh, over 16 years ago i came in we were kind of like a mid-high lukewarm level things were still we were thank you for your service i appreciate you guys you guys are great and i'm like oh this is gonna be great i'm loving this i'm thinking Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be working a ride here for the rest of my career and uh, there's been a couple low points high points but it it teeters but of course when the beer virus hit uh uh 2020 then we everything happened it seemed like we hit an all-time low we were going down for a while we hit an all-time low it seemed like we've been stuck there for a long time we're slowly coming back out to where we're lukewarm again at least from what i'm seeing uh being out in the field so actually having instructors that are aware of what the the cyclical changes that have occurred and and bringing um realistic knowledge and realistic advice to the forefront because 21st 21st century policing modern policing is a lot different today than it was just two or three years ago just from from yeah that's that's right and
0: you know you know instructors could be you could have a, a retired instructor who's great and he's you know, been retired for a long time, that could be a great instructor. The question is, what are you doing to stay modern? Are you somehow involved in the industry? Are you doing side work? Are you doing expert testimony? Are you um, a researcher? You know, what are you, what are you doing to stay current?
1: Because uh, right. I don't
0: want to just throw down people that are retired. And I, I want to take all those years of service and we want to oh, use. Yeah, them. Absolutely. But yeah, but it's just, you know, I think cops deserve folks who are standing in front of them teaching that really know what they're talking about. They really care deeply. They spent the time to do the research. They spent the time to develop their craft, and and I think we'll we'll all be better for it, right? Who who could disagree that cops need better training? Like that should be inarguable. And and when people say we're going to defund the police or we're going to do that, I'm like, wow, do you, you know, the first thing to goes is going to be training, right? Because I think you know I I've heard well the cops shouldn't be cops shouldn't respond to homeless people. They shouldn't respond to drugs. Um, Those are societal issues, mental health. We should send a clinician. I'm like, great. Yeah, no cop is trying to like, no cop is gonna fight you to respond to all those things, right? But the funniest thing is, is let's say you say, well, yeah, we're we're not gonna have the cops do that anymore. We're gonna cut that part out of their budget too and give it to a clinician. Okay, well, guess what? There is no line item budget in any police department that says homeless response, uh, calls of involving drug addiction. What they are going to do is find a line item budget and the big fat one. That's going to be the first to go is training because you can't cut salary. Can't cut vehicle, you know, maintenance or whatever. They're going to be like, Ooh, training that's discretionary. We don't really have to do that. So they're going to cut that. So now you're going to get even less trained police officers because they're not going anyway. And if someone says, well, that's why we got to change the whole system. We got to get rid of all police. Okay. But you're going to hire back who? Well, we got to hire back somebody that's going to, you know, protect us and guard us. And okay. And then what are they going to do? Well, they'll probably need like a, a phone number to, that we can call that they can be sent out, you know, and probably some vehicles. Oh, okay, sure. And you want them to have a gun? Yeah, some of them will have guns, and but they got to get training and to know when to use them. Okay, sounds like you're reinventing the police. Um, yeah. So they all need training, right? Right. Okay, so no matter what you do, like... These, we're gonna have to train them. Whether you keep what you have, you change a little bit, or you get away, get away with the whole system. Like mm-hmm. we need people who have good training to be out there, so yeah.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, on this platform, I know this question comes up a lot about community policing uh, and the importance of it. And I, I know in the forefront, there's Shop With The Cop, there's National Night Out, uh, there's Coffee With Cops. There's so many different things nationally that go on. That are interactive, um, getting out of the patrol car, uh, you know, walking the beat, uh, playing basketball, going into the schools, uh, just any kind of going going into civic or, or um, boys and girls club, uh, Boy Scouts. So many things happen. What is your uh, um, what is your idea? What's your impact on uh, community policing? What do you think? What challenges do you think we are facing to actually improve our community policing nationally?
0: Wow, a controversial answer, but you know everything you just mentioned was an event. You know everything you, you mentioned was a special kind of thing. Meaning, this is when, when we do those things. That's community policing. The only one that you didn't mention was that one: getting out of your car and walking the beat. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you took my idea right there. I, I think yes, maybe those events are important, but let's mm-hmm. not see community policing as just this sort of one-time event. Or maybe we have a special unit that does that we got a special unit that handles all of our community stuff. What, you know, I think we're all supposed to be doing that. Yeah. And I am less concerned with like those types of one-off events and one, you know, little program here and there. I think everything we do, you know, can be a community policing endeavor. And mm-hmm. I know from me personally, uh, as just a, let's say not talking about my work, but at my home, if I call the police, I don't, particularly want to go have coffee with a cop. I don't particularly want to have, you know, pancakes with a cop. I don't particularly want to go visit the police station. I, I don't really need any of that. What I do want is if I call 911, I want a cop at my door who is professional and competent at whatever mm-hmm. I'm trying to ask. And if, you know, if someone's breaking into my house, I want these people to get there quick and, and rain down on the, on whoever's doing that if it's my house got broken into and someone's going to show up at my house, I want whoever's coming there to be like, Hey, I'm really sorry. This happened to you. Don't worry. I've done this a million times. I'm going to write down the report. We're going to catch this guy, you know, and whatever. So, you know, I'm more like, Hey, I I just wish everybody was super confident and professional. And, Mm. um, even if it's a really stressful thing, man, I, I think the community policing out there is the little stuff and, You've been doing the job a long time. You know what it is, right? It's getting out of your car. It's walking around the neighborhood. It's answering people's questions. It's not being a jerk. It's, um, you know, if somebody says, if someone says something flippant to you, it's holding your cool. And because yeah. everyone's watching you, right? And they're like, is this guy a jerk? Is he a thug? Is he flippant? Is he immature? Or is this dude a professional? No matter what someone says to him, he just keeps his bearing and he's like, you know, just looks the part of the police officer by right? having a certain demeanor, very, very professional, reserved. And um, th- those are kind of my thoughts. The other stuff, the one off stuff, sometimes just gets seen as, hey, we'll have that unit work all that stuff. We'll have our special little community unit and they'll do all that stuff that none of us want to do, right? It's like, <laughs> well, I don't think that's really the point. <laughs> the point was to get the community involved. And it's just the little things, you know. I, right. If I had to call the cops, I just want, super confident professional people to, to arrive on scene and handle whatever i couldn't obviously handle by myself and uh the rest of the stuff i could um, you know personally don't could do without
1: gotcha it makes perfect sense it makes perfect sense i like um going back to old sales training from years and years ago uh and it, it, it applies with community policing as well. rough where um fortunes in the follow-up uh, if someone just had their vehicle uh broken into and um you, you do everything that you need to do um you do the follow-up even if the person's arrested you go to court and you know i don't want to get all into it but a week or so later after everything's done as you go back out you go back out to that person's house how's everything going everything okay uh did, did, did we miss anything uh, what's what's life been after this resolution and just to see the look on someone's face I'm like wow you came back like you it, it sets a hold with them. And not only will they remember that, then the next time you see them, wherever it may be, they're that much more engaged with you there. Hey, Clee, I just want to let you know. I appreciate what you did about a year for me. I uh, uh, did for me over a year ago. Uh, I just want to let you know two houses down. Why don't you keep your eye on X, Y, and Z? Because I see this going on. It may not be a big deal. It may. I didn't want to call 911 9-1, about it. But since you're here, I just wanted to let you know. And bam, there you go.
0: Mm hmm. It's true. And just, yeah, it it is a little bit of a sales job that we're doing out there, you know, you kind of need to put on your professional face and, and, you know, this may be the 10th call you've handled today and you're like burnt out and stuff like that. But to the person that called you that, this is a big deal, you know, and some people don't want to call nine one one; They don't like the police to begin with. And so, you know, you show up at their house, gosh, it sure would be nice if you could just have a little bit of empathy. And, and I don't think you have to hug everybody and, you know, hug a thug and all that stuff you don't have to do any of that you just have to be professional because even thugs and even gangsters and even you know people that resisted arrest and you get them in custody just dust them off and be like hey you tried right but stop stop with the uh flippant comments that you shouldn't have done that man you should respect my authority And just forget all that stuff and just be professional with people um mm-hmm. it goes a long way it goes a long way
1: right And I know I've asked you kind of in the back office uh, while we were exchanging emails. um, You said you had wrote some articles um, that are on your website. Uh, What kind of topics are are, are those articles, blogs, or those those conversation pieces? Uh, What what were those about?
0: Yeah, if you go on our website, savagetraininggroup.com, there is an articles tab. And it has articles that I've written for trade publications on really specific hyper-technical kind of stuff. Um, or it'll have like podcast interviews. And so mm-hmm. there's articles there about police training, some of the, maybe the topics we talked about now. Um, then there's articles about um, different specific tactics um, that, that police officers can use to hopefully avoid violent confrontations. One that, um, that certainly gets a lot of attention is uh, what to do, what, the, what should the police do when a, a person is armed And in a mental health crisis, potentially suicidal, they're in their own home. Uh, Mm -hmm. the police have tried to coax them out to take them on a mental health hold, but the person doesn't want to come out in years past the police. That was a pretty standard tactic. We would kick in this person's door and compel care on them. And unfortunately that sometimes resulted in shootings, right? The police are shooting the person that they're trying to save from shooting themselves it almost doesn't make sense but it's exactly what used to happen and so we developed a a a training framework called the response to the non-criminal barricade and um, it's really about the what the laws are because a lot of police officers that do kick in this guy's door to try to go save him from himself they believe falsely that they're required to by law they think they have some legal obligation so we show students these are the actual laws in your state like when we travel to different states we'll research their laws and show them their laws. And then we provide them tactics um, on how to use to disengage what the framework is, the decision-making model to disengage, and then how to re-engage with that person, hopefully at a later time with additional services. Because, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of cops can intuitively think, well, yeah, it sounds true that we should probably disengage if if the juice force isn't worth the squeeze of, you know, make an entry and it's going to end in a violent confrontation. But you can trip up cops pretty quickly when you start saying, well, what about if the guy was in a car and it's in a public place? Well, what about if he's in someone else's house? So what about if you leave and he harms a neighbor? Are you going to be liable? And when you start asking those questions, a lot of cops go, Ooh, I don't really know the exact rules, but we got to be clear on this stuff. We're coming into 2023. You have to, as a police officer, be an expert in use of force law. Mm -hmm. That is the thing people are marching in the streets about use of force decision making when you think about it that's the thing people are marching in the streets about they are unhappy with the yeah. decisions police individual police officers make regarding use of force you know controversial shooting controversial use of force that's what people are marching about mm-hmm. use of force decision making and so a lot of what we teach in our classes, practical de-escalation and tactical conduct that class is all about use of force decision making Um, It is so much about what we do. We talk about the laws. We talk about tactics. We talk about human performance. We talk about all the different things that come into play that hopefully is going to help that student have a concept of, ooh, how can I, to the extent I can, avoid violent confrontations? You know, you won't always be able to avoid it. As a police officer, you are 100% going to use force on people. It is 100% of the time going to happen because some people you're just not going to negotiate with them, it's going to happen. Right. But there's a lot of other people that we can use tactics, we can use the law to our advantage and we can outmaneuver, outthink our adversary. And so a lot of the articles on, on the website are about you know topics like that. And there's YouTube videos and, and all that stuff. This video will be on there soon. And so, um, yeah, it's just it, trying to get a lot of content for cops to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, hope and it's it's really differently than than a lot of the stuff that's out there this sort of like i know you've seen what you've seen it like me this thin blue line raw raw chest beating we're the you know whatever we're america's heroes and everyone else doesn't get us and you're either with us or this really drawing a line stuff yeah um a lot of it's real pedestrian it's real juvenile stuff and so uh, the content on our website is really tr- very, very professional. Very, very uh, mm-hmm. stuff you can be proud of. It's stuff departments can use for training. So mm-hmm. it, it would be stuff that your chief, your training unit would all be uh, very much okay with. It wouldn't wouldn't be uh, controversial stuff like that.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Good answer, good answer. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pause again for the calls. You know, we got to give a shout out for the sponsors. Uh, let us know how you feel and what you think of starting. Be safe. Here it comes. I can't believe people leave their car doors unlocked. I found credit cards, debit cards, and social security cards. It's like stealing candy from a baby. (laughs) Uh Aha, I caught you. Party pooper, be safe. You can't stop me. I know my rights. I'm just walking around here. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the days of Mayberry are pretty much over. I'll take Rob you blind to jail. However, he will be back. It's important to keep all your doors locked and your valuables secured because Rob You Blind will take full advantage of crimes of opportunity. So remember to take the extra step and lock your stuff up. And that's your tip of the day from Sergeant Be Safe.
0: Subscribe now.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you guys for tuning in to the episode of Black and Blue. We still have Scott Savage right here with the Savage uh, Training Group. Um, We've been having a a wonderful discussion. I want to ask now, Scott, where do you see the Savage Training Group in about three to five years? What is your? I know it's kind of short-term, long-term, best-case scenario. Where do you see uh, your company going in about three to five years?
0: Yeah, I, I see it growing. Obviously, um, that that's pretty much I would say any you know entrepreneur any, any business's goal. However, I, I want our growth to be uh, very very measured. So mm. I, I don't I don't want to lose quality in, in favor of quantity. And so I, I really don't want to be like, hey, we've got a training class every week at every street. You know, uh, I, I really want us to stay um, with the the goal is always high quality. So I do see us adding additional instructors, adding additional courses, being in more states, um, and then also adding our online presence. We have some online courses uh, which were developed during COVID. Um, and so I, I see us really uh, bolstering that so that if you're a police officer, maybe in a small you know, rural area and it's not something where you're going to be able to get to one of our classes, hopefully you can go, ooh, I can just access this material online. And so uh, that, that's really the goal. Just continue the trajectory. Put the students first. Put, uh, make sure everything is very high quality. Uh, continue to research. Continue to uh, not be satisfied with the status quo. My least you know, favorite quote is, that's the way we've always done it. So just really be the antithesis to that and, and just continue, continue to grow and try to be a professional represent, representer of our industry that people can be proud of. Um, because, again, there's there's some folks out there that are speaking on our behalf that I'm sure you cringe just as much as I do when you see them. And uh, I've been given a platform and I, I get to go to conferences or be interviewed by people like yourself. And And I just want to make sure I'm doing a good job so that, uh, you know, folks can be proud of me and represent our industry well.
1: Absolutely. I like that as well. I think you're doing a tremendous job, uh, by the way. Um, Thank you yes and, and and like like you said early on in uh the beginning of this interview um like yeah since the beer by 2020 has hit uh nationally uh a lot of departments in all industries not just law enforcement but a lot of agencies throughout the nation have been hit with uh recruitment re uh, uh, retainment hiring uh finding qualified applicants uh, and I know it's going on almost everywhere. What? How do you feel we should tackle these challenges on finding qualified applicants and keeping uh, uh, officers who are seasoned who are quote unquote, uh, quiet?
0: Yeah, I think to answer it in reverse, the way to keep seasoned officers is, is the same way to keep employees in any uh, entity. Folks stay places that they feel they are um, celebrated that they feel that they are contributing to a cause larger than themselves. Um, money has been shown statistically to not a great motivator of, you know, to keep people there. You might keep someone begrudgingly there because you paid them a lot. You know, we do need cops to have a, a great salary and great benefits because it is a very dangerous career. Um, but I think you can get a lot more bang for the buck. If you, uh, invest in your people, um, get them great training, get them great equipment and, uh, make them feel wanted, make them feel like they're part of a, a something larger themselves, something that part of the solution. And then with retent or with uh, recruiting folks, um, I think what we need to do is give more accurate portrayals and more accurate information to potential candidates. So I would defy any of your watchers right now, your viewers to, uh, go on your, your local department's Instagram or Facebook page or social media page. I'll, let me now predict what you will see there. You will see a cop in a park handing a balloon to a kid or or uh, playing basketball with a kid. You will see if the agency has a canine unit, you will see a kid or somebody petting the dog. You will see community events like Coffee with a Cop, National Night Out, and such and such. Here's what you won't see. What those cops really do all day long they do not hand out stickers all day long they do not let you pet the dog all day long that dog is kind of mean right That german shepherd a lot of cops are scared of them um let's stop lying to people and telling them that cops being a cop is just oh it looks so great you guys just walk through the park and hand out stickers and talk to the community and work at lemonade stands and work at community events and it's just all smiles Well, man, that sounds awesome. You're gonna gonna pay me all this money just to smile at people, and then the people get here and they're like, "Ooh, damn, this is not what I thought police work was." (laughs) Let's be accurate. Tell the story. What happened last night? Why were those cops down the street? What was all that about? Oh, they caught this and that. Here's the gun they took off the guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, actually, a bunch of dudes ran from our cops yesterday. Here's a quick audio snippet of that. Mm -hmm. The radio traffic. Um, Here's what we found. You know, here's the guy that just broke into the house down there. We got him, you know, the canine got him. It's pretty messy. Yeah. yeah. Be accurate. That's going to tell your public exactly what you actually do so that when you do actually use force on someone and your public sees it, they're not shocked because they only knew you as the cops who hand out stickers and national night out and coffee with the cop people. And then they see your body-worn camera of you using force on someone and they're like, oh my God, this is shocking because they thought nothing ever happened around here into your potential recruits they're going to go oh i have an accurate like knowledge of what police work really is Mm -hmm. because it is not this like mayberry fluffy kind of thing that is being portrayed on departments instagrams and i know why they're doing it we have a pr issue right and they Mm -hmm. wanted to be like we're friendly we're friendly hey just look over here look how friendly we are instead of being realistic don't lie to people and don't try to make it something it's not. And we do do all those community events. I can see right now, Chiefs that are listening to this are like pulling their hair out. Like, I hate this guy. I get it, Chief. You do do all those things. I understand that. What I'm saying is that is not the majority of what we do. And if this, the purpose of the social media is to snow people or to make them think something, okay, then keep doing it. But if the purpose of your social media is to truly tell your story, like so many people say it is, tell the story. Show what happened last night show what happened today and give people an accurate picture of wow i didn't know the cops were that busy in my little hometown here you know this is kind of sketchy out here now when i'm thinking about defunding these people i think twice (laughs) into the young cats that are like hey i might want to be a police officer okay we don't want to lie to you i want to show you everything that police work is okay Mm -hmm. i want to show you the good the bad everything in between now do you still want to do this because i'm not trying to we're not trying to just recruit you by thinking it's all fun and games here. It's actually not, you know, I, I hand out stickers to the kids. I've visited the lemonade stand I've, you know, whatever, but that's, you know, a very, very, very small percentage of what police work is. It's dirty. It's nasty. It's gross. It's, uh, dangerous. It's violent. It is, uh, wearing it's sad, you know, there's a lot of like negativity that goes on. It's kind of our bread and butter. People don't call clear eye when they're having a great day. I just want to call you guys and say, I'm having a great day. Why don't y'all come on over? No, they call us when things have got out of control. And yeah. then we constantly operate in other people's worst days. Like yeah. that's our average day is being present for people who are having their worst day. Yes. And if you think about it, that's a kind of a heavy thing. And so If you are a young man or woman and you right now are deciding you want to become a police officer, first of all, you have nothing but my respect because you've seen all the videos and you still want to sign up.
1: Mm -hmm. Awesome.
0: And we owe it to you, though, to let's be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I think for departments, um, let's change the way we're portraying ourselves in social media. Mm -hmm. Let's create a recruiting website that isn't just all like helicopters and fast roping down and swat and all this cool stuff it looks like a movie right that's yeah. killer but come on dude like <laughs> there's like 20 guys in the department that do that um it's probably not going to be you like you're going to work midnight patrol
1: yeah
0: long um, time. let's give an accurate picture you know and so and then let's let's give all the information out like this is how you're successful this is what would disqualify you during a background process this is just so you have all the data and then you can make an informed decision I don't wanna talk anyone into becoming a police officer, but if you've made that decision and you want to become a police officer, I want to help you um, be successful in that, be safe, be successful, have a long and healthy career.
1: Man, I like that. That was, that was a beautiful answer. I know That answer actually brought back a story, uh mental story of mine, um, without giving too many details away. Um, I was on a, uh, an alarm before uh, once on an incident. Uh, didn't turn out to be a major incident. Uh, we had a canine there. And as we're doing the perimeter search and we get done, uh, we have um, a kid and, and a parent from across the street come over who actually knew that we had a canine unit, saw slower canine unit at, um, at uh, one of the schools for one of the functions for whatever reason, uh, wanted to come over and pet the same canine um, that they saw at the function who was already, at the end of the day, the, during that day, the canine was nice, friendly, d- K-9 was working tail everything was high alert kids coming over and wants to say hey puppy wants to go like no no yeah mm-hmm. I remember it, it, it it came out of nowhere and like no it now's not the time please stay away this is about to turn real bad Yeah, so that's right
0: that's uh, right
1: so9s available for certain things I understand too and I'm hey, why they're available for certain events but then when they're utilized for their actual uh capacity at work then it it, it, it needs to be zoned
0: so in. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could just be a little bit more accurate and a little bit mm-hmm. more transparent. I hate that word. Like, now we're using buzzwords. But yeah. to yeah. the extent you can, we don't have to tell them the, the, the suspect's name and date of birth and all that stuff. Yeah. But you could pretty easily put up some kind of picture on on Instagram or whatever. And just with a quick little synopsis about what happened. And, you know, people love that stuff, first of all. Mm-hmm. Neighbors, they love to get on that what, that next door app and they, they love all that stuff. So let's give them what they want. But without giving away like any kind of confidential information, you could certainly just tell the story. And that's going to yeah. help people that are thinking about becoming coming into this career to get a more accurate picture. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you think it's all like, you know, fast roping out of a helicopter and doing SWAT stuff, it's not all that. If you yeah. think you're just going to get on and be i'm just going to be on csi i'm going to wear a nice looking suit every day to work i'm going to get in the lab I'm, you know all that stuff it's <laughs> that that is not it and if it is a due to your department that does it it's like one guy and it's not going to be <laughs> you for 20 years you know you yeah. just got to be realistic with people like yeah you're going to work all those assignments but we are not hiring you for that we're hiring you for average joe who works at night in the rain in the snow in the heat on christmas like that's going to be you you know your friends are going to be partying on friday night you're going to be working your friends are gonna be uh, having a brunch on sunday morning you're going to be working yeah Uh, yeah. your friends are going to have a normal you know routine you're going to be awake at like tuesday at like three in the morning walking around your house because you work night so you're already awake that's going to be you no one else is awake just you you know so you just you have let's just be transparent and let it, tell people what it's really about. And then if someone's like, I, I want all that, I want this life. I want to protect people. I want to help people. I want to be part of the solution. I want to enter into this kind of, you know, exciting career field. Awesome. We are so lucky to have people that still want to sign up. So.
1: Absolutely. Well, Scott, we've had a wonderful conversation. and Through the course of our conversation, I may have skipped a question or talking with you, it may have jogged something that you may want to actually put out there. Right now, is there anything that you want to tell the viewers the floor is yours?
0: I want to tell you, if you're a police officer, um, please think seriously about the training you're getting because uh, don't leave it to your department. Don't leave it to your department to decide if you're trained or not. Be uh, skeptical of what's being called police Mm. training because a lot of it's just check the box kind of compliance stuff and seek out your own training whether it's through our company, Savage Training Group, or any of the other, you know, great training providers out there or any of the material that's online or buying a book, seek out your own training and become a professional, right? Professional in everything you do. Um, And then if you're not a police officer, feel free to check out our website anytime you like, just the same. Um, But I would just think, um, ask questions, you know, ask questions, why did the police do what they did, you know? What is it that I'm missing that I don't know? Instead of watching a video and being like, the cops should have done this, should have done that, and thinking I would have done this and I would have done that, you no, know, be analytical. Have you really ever been in a situation like that? Um, you know, why are the cops acting the way they are? Is it a byproduct of training? And then be a champion for good training. Um, talk to your, your elected officials and, and be a champion for the police need adequate training, not necessarily more training. We don't need more hours, we need better training. So um, that's what I would say. And then just lastly, Clee, to you, thank you for having me. This has been a a great conversation. I really enjoyed it.
1: Absolutely. It's been a great conversation with me. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, Looking at your website and looking at past podcast interviews of you. Uh, Very good job. Very. I salute you. Great hand right here. Uh, And thank you for coming on the platform and busting the platform.
0: Thanks. Thanks very much.
1: Yep. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we go live weekly uh, with an individual who, like I said, who's uh, in the law enforcement area, law enforcement arena direction, whether they're rookie, whether they're seasoned, whether they're retirees, and we share their experiences. We share their, their companies, we share their uh, uh, books that they may have done, anything like that, just to put that information out there because the information is important. So thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you give a tag, like and share a thumbs up uh, on the way in. Make sure you guys tune in next week. Cause we have a special guest coming in and I don't want to give all the information away because I got to get you guys coming back, but check out certain be safe. This last cartoon is made for the holidays. You're, you're seeing it first time here right now. Thank you guys. We love you. Have a good night and I will see you. Oh, disguised as one of Santa's helpers I'll steal these presents from right under his nose <laughs> Now hold it there, you little fake elf Be safe What are you doing here? I would have gotten away with this caught. if it weren't for you Sergeant Be safe you've been a very good boy this year Hello, Santa and Robbie Blind I knew you'd be in this area right about now Ooh. Ooh. Wow, this is perfect timing This good family has just returned it's always a good idea to keep your doors and windows locked when you're not home. Don't give Rob you blind the advantage. There's very inexpensive cameras and security systems you can set up as well. Sergeant B-Safe, thank you for coming. We appreciate everything you do. Without you, this holiday season would be ruined. Wow, thank you, Sergeant be safe You saved the day. You're welcome, and I'm happy to hear it. You guys enjoy the rest of the day. Santa, you have a safe trip back to the North Pole. Ooh! Party poopa be safe. No gifts for you, Robbie Blind. You'll be put away this holiday season. Certain Be Safe wants you and your family to have a safe and enjoyable holiday season. And that's your tip of the day, to have a safe holiday. Merry Christmas. Oh ho 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 ho. Subscribe now. Ten four over and out.